You know, I just came to realize something. I am the least talented person on this staff. Some of you guys already realized that, didn't you? But, you know, just watching all these folks up here sing, and, and I was just um, in awe of that, um, how God has been so generous to them and yet um, stingy towards me. But the, uh, no, just kidding. The, uh, well, kind of. Welcome. It's good to be with you guys. Special welcome to those watching online. We're glad to have you here. Um, we've been in the midst of a series where we're really going back to basics, and uh, we're, we're looking at what are the, the fundamentals of, of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And so far, we, we've talked about how important it is to be biblically literate and how to study the Bible. And then last week, I talked about our mission as a church, that, that we are called to be people who invest in people for the sake of eternity. And, and our method for accomplishing that is summed up in three words, come, grow, go. And we looked at um, Mark's account of Jesus' life, and specifically at, at Mark chapter 1 and verse 17, where Jesus was calling his first disciples. So uh, he was calling Simon, who we come to know as Peter, and his brother Andrew, and he said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Right? And, and we saw that, that Jesus' purpose in calling them to himself was not just so that they would enjoy a relationship with him, so that when they died, they would go to heaven. No, it was so much more, so much more purposeful than that, that he called them so that he could equip them to come, to grow, and then to go and help make other disciples as well, people who live, love, and lead like Jesus. So we're going to continue in that vein this morning, and we're going to see that what was true of the early disciples is still true of us today. And um, to do that, we're going to look at a passage in Matthew's account of Jesus' life, and it's in Matthew chapter 9. And some of you guys that have been around the church for a while, this will be a familiar passage to you. We're going to look at verses 35 through 38 together. It's page 964. If you have a church Bible, if you want to open it, follow along, I encourage you to do that. 964. Now Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, three things I want to share with you that kind of stood out to me as I was reading over this this week. Here's the first. If you look at verse 36, it said, when he saw the crowds, that's Jesus, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The people in Jesus' day, they, they were lost. They were lost. They didn't have a real sense of direction. They didn't have a sense of identity or, or their God-given purpose. They were constantly looking for sense of meaning for their lives. And there weren't many godly people to point them in the right direction. They were lost like sheep without a shepherd. And one of the things that strikes me is that as Jesus looked upon the crowds of people, he, he was full of compassion. He was full of compassion as he looked at them. He, he didn't look with condemnation. 
Now, he looked with love, and he realized what they're looking for is me. They need the good shepherd, and I am the good shepherd. And then I get the sense in his human form, right, that he looks at the masses out there, and it's overwhelming, right, the need out there. And he realizes, I'm going to need some help. You know, I'm going to choose to use people, my followers, in this work. And so he talks to his disciples, and he points this out. Now, what was true back then, I believe is still true today. If you look around, most of the people in this world are, are still lost, aren't they? I, I mean, they're lacking direction. They, they don't have a true sense of, of their God-given purpose. They're constantly searching for meaning in life. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And, and Jesus has compassion for the world that we live in today. And I believe as he looks upon the world, his heart breaks because there aren't many godly men and women out there that are pointing these people in the right direction. And so that's pretty much the first thing that jumps out at me, God's heart, Jesus' heart for the people and the need for more workers. Now, this, the second point, it ties really right along with that. If you look at verses 37 and 38, um, really begins to get at, at the source and, and the, the real answer to this problem. He says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. His harvest field. And so here's the point that stuck, stuck out to me, that there's so much work to be done and. uh that was true in Jesus' day, and it's true in our day, but there were few willing and able-bodied men and women to do the work. There were few willing and able-bodied men and women to do the work. Back in Jesus' day, the population of the world was about 300 million. 300 million. And so think about this. Jesus has uh, primarily 12 disciples at this point. And there's 300 million people that are pretty much lost, that are in desperate need of a relationship with Jesus, the good shepherd, right? 300 million. And he's got a handful of men. And then there were um, a number of women as well there. He's recognizing, man, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now, do you know how many people there are today? just shy of 8 billion. That's billion with a B. Now, fortunately, unlike back then, um, they didn't have many disciples and they didn't have mass communication. They didn't have mass transportation, right? Like it must have seemed overwhelming to reach the masses then. Today, we have more followers of Jesus, right? We're in a, a little better situation and we do have mass transportation and mass communication, but still 8 billion is a huge number a huge number. So what was true then is pretty much true today. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers are few. Now, here's what I want us to see in here. If you look at verse 38, when we're trying to figure out how do we go about getting these workers that Jesus is talking about, I think verse 38 is really the key to it. He says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest. So that, that means pray. Pray to God, therefore, to send out workers where? Into his harvest field. So it's his harvest field. He's going to raise up the workers to go in and harvest, to reap the harvest. And here, here's the challenge. It begins with prayer. It begins with prayer. And I think this is maybe one of the biggest lacking, lackings in um, churches today. Like there's always need. Right? There is so much need for people to serve, for people to work. And um, it seems like churches are constantly begging folks, can, can you help with the children? Can you help with, you know, we had screens up there. We need help with the security team. We need help with this. You know, could you help? We need workers. We need workers. And sometimes I wonder if the problem isn't that we fail to pray before we ask. See, sometimes we just launch out there and we start asking people to come and to help, to serve, to work, but we fail to pray beforehand because I believe God's already got something for each of us to do. And so if we would just pray beforehand, then we would know and then we could go and invite them. Now, there is a response that's required, right, of the people. You got to be willing to say yes, to actually go, that's a big problem. A lot of people just say no, and uh, that's a whole nother <laughs> sermon for a whole nother day. But uh, I believe it begins with prayer. We need to go to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send out workers for his harvest field. It's his harvest field. So that's a critical piece. Now, here's the final piece that really jumped out at me. Um, and it revolves around this question, so where do these workers come from? Where do we find the workers to go help reap the harvest? Well, I think they come from the harvest field. I, I think the workers come from the harvest field, and the harvested become the harvesters. The harvested become the harvesters. So where do we look for the workers? Well, they first come from the harvest field because that's true of all of us. Every single one of us have been the harvest field at one point or another. Every one of us have been like those lost sheep in need of a shepherd, in need of direction, in need of somebody to say, come, let me introduce you to Jesus. Then as you come, let me help you to get to know him more, help you to grow in your relationship with him. That's what we find ourselves in. Every single one of us has been part of the harvest field at one point or another. And some of you that are here today or some of you guys watching online still are. You're still in the harvest field. And I wanna say thank you for coming. Thank you for coming and checking Jesus out because I believe with all my heart that the more time you spend getting to know Jesus, you're going to fall in love with him. Like he is irresistible. He is irresistible. So keep coming. Even if you haven't made that commitment to become a follower of his, a disciple of his. But for those of you who are here or watching online who have had made that commitment, that you have come and begun that relationship, that you are growing in that relationship, well, guess what? You, you need to go. <laughs> you need to go. Don't just sit in here or sit on your couch at home. Go and, and start helping to reap the harvest. Start helping to reap the harvest. Again, the workers come from the harvest field. The harvest become the harvesters. We all have a job to do.
And that's exciting to me. Now, um, here's the sticking point, I think. Most of us don't go, so we're comfortable with coming and we're comfortable with growing, um, but not so comfortable with going. And I think the biggest problem there is because we feel ill-equipped, right? Most of us are a little afraid to go and, and to share Jesus with others because we're afraid, well, I, what if I don't have the right answers? You know, what, what if I don't do the right thing? Somehow I'm going to mess this up. I just want to put your minds and your hearts at ease. I don't think that's going to happen. Remember, it's his harvest field. He's the one that's going to call you and equip you. He's calling you to come, calling you to grow. And he's got a certain harvest for you to do that only you alone are meant to do. So just relax a little bit. And then we've got some practical tools to help equip you as well. We have um, these things we call the five gospel minimums, and they're on our website. We're talking about that and weaving it through this series here. But you can just go to orchardhillschurch.org, go to um, resources, five gospel minimums, and you're going to find some, some really helpful um, materials there. And there's a video by the talented Sutton, who not only preaches, sings, and does administrative things, but he also did that. So uh, again, my inadequacies. But go there, and, and you'll find that there's a lot of resources. Specifically, what I want to point you to this morning is Frank and Bless. Frank and Bless. We introduced this a couple years ago. So here's how you can begin. Um, going and helping to reap the harvest. Begin with a Frank list. A frank list. Now, we have some cards. If you look, if you're in person, in the pockets in front of you, you can pull one out. It should say frank on one side and bless on the other. Feel free to get that. If you're watching online, again, go to resources, and you can go to the five gospel minimums. There's also another link, orchardhillschurch.org backslash frank, F-R-A-N-C, and you will see this card. And if you've got your phone, you can just tap on it, and it'll take you there, and um, you'll have that card. Or if you're on a computer, you can right-click. You'll go there. Lots of different ways to get there. Plus, you know, if you've got a piece of paper and a pen, make your own. All right, this is not that difficult. We're just trying to help you with it. So you get this card. Begin with, with Frank. So that's an acronym. And it begins um, with F. That means friends. Then R, relatives. A, acquaintances. N, neighbors. And C, coworkers. And you just begin to pray. And so you've got your list out. And you just say, say God, I mean, you're the Lord of the harvest, who, who is in my life that fits one of these categories that I could put their name down? Maybe one or two people. And God will reveal these folks to you. Remember, he's already doing the work. He just is inviting you into the process. And that's the exciting part. So you start writing down maybe a name or two of friends or relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, coworkers, folks that um, you'd like to see come closer to Jesus. All right, so you do that, and then you begin to bless them, to bless them. Now, this is another acronym, to bless. Um, simple, begins with prayer, right? Remember, what did Jesus say we should do? He, he said in Matthew 9, verse 38, he said, ask the Lord of the harvest. So pray. So ask God, here's my list that you've given me. How can I bless them? Begin with prayer. L, listen Listen with care. Actually, care to listen. 
So listen with care. That's different for a lot of us. So um, listen with care. E, eat together. Not so different for most of us. We're easy um, at that. We are comfortable at eating. Um, S, the first S is serve with love. And then the second S is share your story and Jesus's story. So bless, begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve with love, share your story and Jesus's story. It's that simple. And you'll be amazed if you will just be more intentional about being more relational, how God will open your eyes. And you will start to see God working in ways that you had no clue, and yet he was in the midst of it all the time. And he had this plan to incorporate you into it. And it's so exciting. And it just requires a little intentionality, a little intentionality. So I want to share with you a, a story of uh, one of the folks that, that I had on my list. So when I was making my list, it was pretty easy, like come up with a friend or two, um, a relative, uh, neighbors, pretty easy to come up with. Coworkers, Lord, I had a lot of coworkers to put on that list, you know, that I want to see come closer to Jesus. And so, I, you know, that was easy, just narrowing that list down. And then, but the tough one was acquaintances. Like, who was I going to put on this list of my acquaintances? Some, somebody or, or a couple somebodies that didn't really fit those other four categories. And so I was thinking, who are some folks that I'm acquainted with that I actually interact with on a fairly regular basis? And then I thought of the gym. So I go to the gym four or five times a week, which I'm sure you can tell. And, the, uh, and so like I'm thinking that's the one place where I go on a regular basis where I interact with folks that maybe I normally would not interact with, but we do it so regularly that we're beginning to develop relationship. And that's one of the beauties of CrossFit is that you come together at a certain time for a certain class, and it's typically the same people. And so you build these relationships. So I thought, that's the perfect place to start. And so I was praying, Lord, who should I put as an acquaintance on my list? And uh, a couple years ago, this, this new guy started coming to our class. His name was Pete Peters. And so uh, Pete was quiet. Like, he didn't say a whole lot, but I tend to, like, make some... Uh, smart aleck comments from time to time, and Pete would laugh. And I thought, I like that guy. You know, anytime somebody will laugh, or even just a smile, just give me a smile, all right? I don't need much, just encouragement. And so Pete was sort of there, and so I was like, I, I like Pete. And then, um, you know, I, I thought, maybe, maybe he's a guy that I'll put on my list. So I put him down as one of my acquaintances. So I started praying for Pete. And then um, I'm just trying to bless them, right? So that's the B. And then I started listening to them um, with some care. Well, Pete doesn't say much, so that was easy enough. I didn't have to do a whole lot of listening. But then I got to the E, right? And it says eat together. Well, now I was going to have to get out of my comfort zone. And, and I decided I'm just going to invite Pete to lunch. And so I did. And... Uh, I said, Pete, right after one of the classes, I said, Pete, would you like to grab lunch sometime? And he goes, sure. I was like, really? <laughs> and he's like, sure. I'm like, all right. And so then we, we connected and said, we'll, we'll uh, meet up for, for lunch at Famous Anthony's on 460. So um, I'm going to tell you more of that story. But I got Pete here. I asked Pete, Pete, would you mind coming and, and just sort of helping me with this and sharing your perspective? Because sometimes I, I have my own perspective and everybody else has a whole nother perspective on things. So Pete, come on up. Um, he was a little reluctant, as all of you tend to be when I ask you, but 
he's coming. I even got a little stool here, director's chair. This is for you, Pete. Hello. And this one's for me. Have a seat. All right. I'm not going to let him share yet. The, uh, so anyhow, I appreciate you coming. Don't say anything. The, um, <laughs> I can handle that. Good. I know. You're, you're gifted at being quiet. You're a good listener. So we get together for lunch at um, Famous Anthony's on 460, and I'm a little nervous going into it. I can only imagine how he's feeling. But here's the thing. All I'm looking to do is to ask Pete questions and to listen with care. I, I just want to get to know Pete and his family and his story with no other agenda. You know, I wasn't there like, I got to lead this dude to Jesus. I didn't even know where he stood with Jesus or church or anything. And uh, I just went there just to get to know him. And I just felt <sighs> the freedom. Like there wasn't pressure on me. It was just, I'm going to hang out with this guy that kind of laughs at my funny comments, and this is going to be a great time. So um, we met, I asked you questions, and Pete talked the whole time. Like, I thought we're going to get through the whole blessed thing the way Pete is in the gym, and yet we never got to the point where he asked me a single thing about myself. And I was a little disappointed, to be honest, Pete. The, uh, so let me just pause there for a moment. Pete, maybe introduce yourself tell us a little bit about you, and then you can give your perspective up to this point, like go through that, that first lunch. Uh, well, you said my name, Pete. I'm here with my wife, Cameron. We've been married 22 years, been together for 26. Uh, we have uh, two daughters. Our uh, oldest is a freshman at App Appalachian State, and, then, uh, and she works at the day school here and uh, during breaks in summer. And then we have Fallon, our youngest. She's a senior at Lord Botetot. And uh, she also, uh, you'll see her often at the coffee bar working. And uh, yeah, Scott's, Scott's uh, description was pretty accurate. We uh, got to know each other a little bit at the gym, but again, I don't talk much and uh, pretty introverted in most cases. And, uh, but we had some conversations and I, I would laugh at his corny jokes from time to time. They weren't jokes. <laughs> <laughs> They're just comments. Comments. And um, so one day he asked, um, you know, would you want to go to lunch? And I mean, I have to admit it, I found it a little strange. I was like, okay, but why not? So, um, so I went home and, and uh, you know, my wife asked me, how did the gym go today? And I said, well, it went good, but I got invited for a lunch. And she said, with who? And I said, well, this, this guy named Scott. I said, I know Scott over the years, we've, we've crossed paths from time to time, but I don't know him well. Um, I didn't know he was a pastor. I, I knew there was a relationship with Orchard Hills, but I, I didn't know he was a pastor. And, um, but she says, are you going to go? And I was like, yeah, I am. I, I, feel, I feel compelled. I, I feel like there's, there's a reason to go have this lunch. So, so I agreed, agreed to go. That was good. Like if I asked you to go to lunch, that is a little <laughs> odd. Isn't it? And it, most people are like, okay, what is it? What do you want? But uh, so anyhow, we went, and you did share a lot. I mean, you. Yeah. Um, you didn't shut up pretty much. I, well, and and he's he has told the story a few times that he was really eager to share his own story, and I think it was maybe the third launch before you actually got to share. Maybe the fourth launch. Yeah. Um, so it was just it was very easy. It was just a it was he just he prompted he wanted to know more about me, wanted to know more about my career, what I did for a living. 
my family, and it was just very easy. We uh, we just we just talked, and it was uh, over a series of four or five lunches. Uh, we got to know each other fairly well, and I finally allowed Scott to tell me a little bit about his story. <laughs> and um, but yeah, it just it just seemed very easy. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was just a, a natural kind of thing, and and I really enjoyed it. And it was interesting because I never, I don't tell people what I do as a, as a rule. I, I just love it when they figure that out on their own. And Pete didn't even bring it up for really like the Mm-mm. first three lunches. So I was thinking, this dude doesn't have a clue who I am <laughs> or what I do. And then he, he tells me, he goes, uh, you know, I've been watching you online some. I was like, oh, dang it, he figured it out. <laughs> like, yeah. And then I was afraid he's going to feel like, I'm Scott's project or something, you know, but uh, it was great just getting to know each other. And so we, we just kept doing it like pretty much every four to six weeks, we would get together and have lunch and lots to talk about. And then um, after about a year, I would, would say, I felt this, this prompting to ask Pete if he wanted to study the Bible together. And so I had to get my nerve up and I, and I this was, uh, this was in, in uh, Benton, I remember mm-hmm. at what, McAdoo's, I think. Might have been. Yeah, well, I, it was. Because uh, I was nervous about this. Like, this is a big ask. It's one thing to say, hey, do you want to have lunch? It's not like, hey, do you want to study the Bible together? <laughs> and so, so I said, Pete, what, what would you think about studying the Bible together? And he goes, sure. <laughs> I was like, really? Awesome. Uh, what do you think about, do you think Cameron, so Cameron's his wife sitting over there. I said, do you think Cameron would want to study the Bible as well. And he goes, well, I could ask her. I said, well, that would be great because we have a group. It's called a life group. And um, you know most of the people because they go to the gym. And we actually had all gotten together at, um, at John and Sarah Beth Milko's house for a little cookout. So there was some relationship there as well. I said, you know, we meet on Wednesday nights and I got permission from Sarah Beth to say, yes, you can invite the Peters to this group. And uh, anyhow, he said, well, let me go talk to her I think you went home that day, and that same day texted me back and said, we're in. I was like, unbelievable. And so they came over to our house Wednesday nights. We just started soaping. So if you've been here for the last few weeks, that's one of the ways we study the Bible. We just pick a passage. So we've been working through, <laughs> through the um, book of John for like a year and a half. Like it's been a little slow, but, the, uh, but we're going, and, and it's been really fascinating. Um, maybe share some of your experience, like one, pick it up from there, like when I asked you what you were feeling there, you know, Cameron, and then your experience with the life group kind of thing. Yeah, um, uh, well, when you, when you asked for us to participate, because I did know uh, pretty much everybody in the group, either uh, from, from the, uh, the gym or from the neighborhood or you know, uh, even like the Salvies, I had you know, known them years years past, and so it was a fairly easy commitment to say, "Yeah, we'll come check it out." And um, um, so, so we came, and it was very, even though we, I think uh, there was a little jabbing with me at first to uh, kind of uh, prod me along. Uh, the first couple of uh, life groups, it was it was fun. Uh, we had a great time, and 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 look forward to it each week. And um, you know, certainly have a. We have a good time. We have some fun conversations. We have a meal. We share. We share food. We all bring, um, you know, appetizer or something, and then we, we we study scripture. And I learned 
to soap um, as a result of that. I was not familiar with that practice until, until life group, so um, it just became something that was, uh, it's like you go to work on Monday, we go to life group on Wednesday. It's just, it's part of our routine. Yeah, I think that's neat. Plus, also, I had not invited you to church up to this Mm-mm. point. No. I actually don't think I ever invited you to church. Um, so it was, it was interesting. We just started doing life group together because the ultimate goal of this is not to get people in church, but that's just sort of a natural byproduct that happens because eventually you guys started coming to church because we have relationship, mm-hmm. right? And so um, that's been neat. But again, I didn't feel the pressure like I have to put this big ask on them. I have to get them here. It just happened. It just happened organically. Just one thing led to another and because of the relationships and and our friendship that had developed with well, not only Scott and Carolyn, but, but the other group, members in the group, it just it's, it seemed appropriate. It seemed like we needed to be there. Yeah, and it's been really great, too. So tell one of my favorite things. So we're meeting together in the group, and we went through a, a, a study of the five gospel minimums. So that's when we were introducing things like soap and things like Frank and Bless. And, and so Pete and Cameron are in there. And we're watching the video on Frank and Bless. Tell me about, about what you experienced in the midst of that. Yeah, so I'm sitting in the floor in the basement at Scott's and Carolyn's house, and we're watching this video. And again, I, at the time, I, I was not familiar with Frank. I didn't know the, or Bless, I didn't know the concept. So we're watching this short video, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, it just, it, it just occurs to me, and I turn around, and I said, Scott, I'm on your Frank list. <laughs> And, and it was just like this aha moment that I, I didn't know it until I know it. And, um, and so the next day, and he didn't, we didn't, he didn't really say much. We, we left that evening and then he, he sent me a text and said, how did that make you feel? And I think I wrote you a dissertation in response. Because um, it, it meant a lot to me that you had spent the time, you invested that time in me and really expecting nothing in return. Um, and we, you know, developed a friendship, and one thing led to another. And but, uh, but yeah, it was, just, I don't know, just an awakening moment, uh, uh, sitting in your floor in your basement. It was funny because I was uneasy with that, and because I don't. The last thing you want to happen is somebody to feel like you're they're your project, <laughs> right? And I was really concerned how he was going to feel, and so. All of a, I saw the light go on in his mind when he was sitting there, and he looked over at me and just started smiling because he doesn't speak a lot, right? <laughs> so he's just smiling. I'm like, oh, crap. Like, he just realized he's on my Frank list. <laughs> but, and then I was concerned, and so that's why I texted him, and he's like, no, it didn't make me feel bad. It made me feel good. You know, like I was honored that you would, you know, care enough to write my name down and to be praying for me and be intentional with me. And I think that's important for everybody to to here, here, that it, it was something that was actually meaningful to you because um, it was really meaningful to me. Maybe share just a little bit, like, what has God been doing in your life and your family's life since, since we even started meeting together? You know, well, you know, my wife and I both grew up going to church, and when we first were married, we were attending church regularly, and as it does for so many people, life just kind of gets you distracted, and we weren't regular attending church. We had bounced around a few churches, uh, you know, through, because of sports, because of uh, travel. It was just, it was, you know, it was an excuse, really. And um, so, so I guess the relationship building and, and kind of um, hungering to get back into 
into church. Um, it first of all, it got us. It got us back to church. Um, it got my daughters involved. So uh, my daughter, again, as I mentioned earlier, works. Uh, she's been working for the day school. Um, um, Fallon has been very active in Young Life, and um, she just went to Rockbridge and volunteered to work the camp, not only just as an uh, attendee in the past, but uh, so she's very active uh, in the church, and she has her own little life group that get together on um, weeknights when, when school allows and, and talk about the Bible and talk about their lives, and it's created a great peer group for my wife and I. It's changed some of our habits. It's uh, been healthy. And um, so it changes our conversations, the things that we talk about. And um, um, yeah, it's just, it, and I definitely feel like I'm in the, the grow portion of, of uh, learning more about the Bible through uh, both the soaping of our life group. Um, also, uh, Scott and John and I do a, a online Bible study each morning and, and we share some comments. And so just learning to, to read the Bible, to understand the Bible, uh, the applications it's having in my life. Uh, but then I think the other piece to this is um, it allowed me to refocus on all the things that God was doing, the relationships that, you know, we had met, I think three times maybe over 20 years or so, but I never had the, I never made the connection until, until, the, until the Frank uh, launched. So it just showed, it showed me all the things that were happening in my life, the doors that were open, the doors that were closed, um, all the ways that my family's been blessed. And so th- it's always been happening, but in, sometimes you just don't pay attention. Yeah. So it's always been there. I just wasn't necessarily making the connection. Yeah, it's been exciting to, to see, too. Like God was working in their family in different ways individually and then collectively. And again, once you become a little bit more intentional, you have bigger eyes to see. And, and I think that's part of what we've been sharing too, is like now you see how God's been at work all the time and how it's led to this kind of place that we find ourselves in now. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to leave the group with or... Um, I've, I've actually developed my own Frank list, and, and uh, I have a few coworkers and a few uh, friends, and uh, those uh, really starting, starting with, whether it be a coffee or a lunch, or sometimes just connecting in the break room at work. Um, um, it's, it's made those relationships deeper. You know, I, th- I do believe that the, the prayer, when we start, just kind of sets the mood, kind of yeah. sets the stage. Um, and it's allowed us to have some really great uh, con- connections uh, and, and deeper connections, I think, through those different acquaintances and, and coworker relationships. And, and even provided, you know, in some cases, you know, maybe they were Christian, some cases they haven't been, but it's uh, provided m- more uh, connections with each other that I didn't realize otherwise. We a lot more in common um, than, than you would have known if you weren't intentional to, to have those conversations in that manner. Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? And it's not that hard, is it? No, I'm certainly no expert at it. And, me either. Um, so so appreciate you introducing me to it. It's been great. All right. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate you. 
I hope that was helpful, encouraging, something that we can all do. And I want to encourage you to, to do it. Here, here's a neat thing. So in two weeks, you're going to hear from Fallon, his youngest daughter, and she's going to share some of her story up here um, in front of the church as well. So it's, it's neat to see how God is at work in, in all of them. Now, a um, couple things for you. I, I want you to consider this. First and foremost, where are you in Jesus' story uh, about the harvest the harvest fields, and the harvesters. Are you still in the harvest field? Maybe you're, you're coming, and clearly if you're here or watching online, you're, you're in that process of coming. Maybe you're in that process of growing. Where are you? Or have you committed your life, and now you're one of the harvesters? You're one of the ones that's going out, inviting people to come and to grow and helping them to be disciples, to be followers of Jesus, and now encouraging them to go as well. Where are you in that process? So that's the first thing to uh, ask yourself. And then I just want to encourage you, it's, it's super simple. Just begin by making a frank list and then look to bless people. It's really that simple. And just as you can tell, I think with, with Pete and I, like God's done some really amazing things. The depth of our relationship, it's awesome. Like, like it's meaningful. It's purposeful. It's, it's deep because we, we share this common faith in Jesus. And so now it's not just superficial. There's this incredible bond now that we have that is uh, something that you long for in life. And I think a lot of people don't have it. But that's what Jesus wants. Like he, he doesn't want us to be like sheep without a shepherd, living life without purpose. He's got a purpose for you. So begin. Begin with a frank list and look to bless people. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for allowing me and, uh, and Pete to just enter into this relationship with you and with each other. And thanks for the way that that continues to grow and expand. And thanks that, uh, Lord, it's not we who are blessing others. It, it seems to be it's we who are getting blessed when we actually are intentional and relational. So, Lord, I just pray encouragement upon everybody that's here in person or watching online that we would just truly be coming to you, that we would be falling in love with you, that we'd be growing in our relationship with you, and that we would be going and helping others to do the same. Move in our midst, we pray. Give us that um, sense of intentionality to really um, put our faith into action. In Jesus' name, amen.